What's up, everybody? This is episode 11 of Ibetastic. But wait, 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 wait. Um, so you probably already know why. Um, I well, you, you already know what this episode is about, right? We got a special guest, all right? It's no, no secret or nothing, but, um, let me just, let me just tell you something real quick. Um, this episode is brought to you by Anchor. So if you've thought about starting a podcast or, you know, anything like that, um, get Anchor. Uh, you can do everything from your phone, uh, add music from Spotify and stuff like that. You already know the vibes, uh, is what I use just, uh, just to distribute, uh, like, all my podcast episodes everywhere um but yeah go check it out and uh let's get started what's up guys so today um for episode 11 we have a special guest um you want to introduce yourself bro Yes, my name is uh, Angel Merguia. I'm 17 years old. Uh, I know Juan from school. Uh, I'm a grade below him. And um, he asked me to come on the podcast, talk about some interesting hot topics. He knows that uh, uh, my beliefs have known to be controversial, stir some stuff around and not necessarily myself. And I'm sure we'll touch on that because I think that I have a certain degree of immunity just for my ethnic background. Yeah. But I have a lot of friends who I would argue don't have that immunity and I see them get slaughtered for the same yeah. beliefs that I have. So this should be interesting. Yeah, all right. Well, yeah, thank you for coming on, bro. Um, you know, I'm excited to talk about um, everything that we discussed earlier. So I'm, I'm really excited to have politics. you. Politics. Yeah. All right. So let's just see. Let's see what's been going on. So uh, probably the biggest story, one of the biggest stories that's been going on is DMX, uh, who's in the hospital uh, after a drug overdose. And I think he's like 53, right? Or 50. He's in his 50s. I'm not I sure. Think. He's older, though. Yeah. Yeah. He's up so, there. Yeah. So prayers up for DMX, his family, friends. Um, another thing, New Mexico, they um, they're said to become the latest state to legalize recreational weed. Um, the state legislators, uh, voted in favor of passing the cannabis regulation act. Um, so, uh, a lot of states are following in, uh, into, you know, legalizing New York, weed. New York too. Yeah. It's going to be interesting mm-hmm. to see how that plays out because what a lot of people don't understand is that, uh, federally speaking, uh, marijuana is still a schedule one substance, but mm-hmm. on state levels, obviously we're seeing that change. So it becomes an issue of how, how's the law going to be enforced there, especially when you're talking about uh, state lines and stuff like that, yeah. crossing state lines. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, we'll see how this, how this all plays out. We're, we're going to see. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it. Uh, you said something about Coca-Cola. Yes, Coca-Cola, the Coca-Cola incident that's been happening. So basically, as I'm sure some listeners may know, uh, in uh, in Georgia, Atlanta, if I'm not mistaken, I could check in a bit. But basically, there was a a bill that was proposed aimed at making voting uh, more accessible but secure in the sense that 
Um, for example, an example of one of the controversial things in the bill would be that there was a part in the bill that basically made it so that political operatives. So, for example, if I'm working for the Trump campaign, I can't pull up to the voting line mm -hmm. within 150 feet and start handing out water because that could be seen as like me trying to get votes for whatever okay. candidate it is. Right. right? Mm -hmm. And that was widely misinterpreted to be. Uh, well, they don't want people handing out water so that uh, you just don't have water and you get out of line to go get water, you lose your spot, and they're making it harder mm -hmm. to vote. And this was largely painted as, even by the current administration, as an attempt by uh, Republicans to suppress the black vote. Uh, Joe Biden himself constantly uh, described it using the word Jim Crow and as a quote-unquote step backwards when in fact that really couldn't be farther from the truth. In some instances, this actually, this bill made it easier to vote. And long story short, this bill passed. And because it passed, basically the MLB, which was going to have their World Series game mm -hmm. in, in where it was passed, Atlanta, Georgia, um, they decided to withdraw and hold it somewhere else. Okay. And at first, that may not be seen as like a big deal. You know, the MLB could do whatever they want. They're a private organization at the end of the day. Uh, the, the issue here was that essentially the the media coverage that this bill got painted it in such a negative light mm. and un, unrightly so that the MLB sort of got cold feet and they were like, we're, we're moving it out of here. And it, it's funny to me because it's like, the, there are currently, I believe, over 1,000 Major League Baseball players. And this decision was inched forward by no more than 50 players. Mm, you know what okay. I mean? Yeah. So it's like it was this small minority of outspoken people who were pushing this misinformation and essentially scared the crap out of the MLB to the point where they got cold feet. And then Coca-Cola jumps in the fight in the sense that it's like they were also like, well, we're against this bill. And they're like, uh, I don't remember what happened, but basically Coca-Cola is an MLB sponsor. So, yeah, yeah. so the idea here is that um, either MLB got cold feet first mm -hmm. or because Coca-Cola sponsors MLB so heavily, they were like, listen, we don't like this bill. And the fact that you're still having your World Series game in this place, we don't like that. So uh, we just wanted to let you know that you should probably make a statement about this. And then we got to where we are now. But the issue is that, like, I think the calculations came out and by removing the game, they removed over $100 million worth of yeah. revenue from that mm -hmm. economy. That's so many jobs. Mm -hmm. And you have to remember that this is an area that just flipped blue from red. They mm -hmm. just got two new blue senators in there and uh that the thing is that the backlash is coming after this you know yeah, yeah. so these blue senators themselves they they realized it and now they're kind of just dancing the line because they've they've realized that sort of uh choking your economy out like that is not the greatest way to get reelected. yeah so now they're just kind of like oh crap what i do like uh <laughs> so you'll see like some of them talk about it in the sense i'll be like i'm happy you know we're fighting for equality but it sucks man i would have liked to see the game take place here because they still got to paint that yeah. picture for for the for the votes but mm -hmm. in the end it's sad because it's like 
this narrative is just completely false. The bill wasn't in in more instances than anything. I would argue that it, it actually made voting easier. It extended the voting hours. Another big issue that people complained about was ballot drop boxes. Oh, yeah. So ballot drop boxes are a new thing. They were introduced because of the pandemic and they were introduced in massive numbers. So there was an issue about their security. So essentially what this did is it decreased the number of ballot drop boxes. And people argued that that was essentially stifling and making it harder for minorities to vote, Um, which I understand the argument. But like, you know, it's not like they're just saying, oh, we don't want your vote. Like you could, you could go somewhere else to vote. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And, yeah, yeah, yeah. and it's, a, it's a matter of security at that point. It's mm-hmm. not anyone trying to suppress anyone's vote. And in the end, I think there's going to be severe backlash once Georgia's up for voting again. And if I was those two new blue senators, I'd be pretty worried. Right yeah, now. yeah, no, definitely, bro. All right. So. Um, moving on past that, bro. So, uh, you want to introduce yourself once again, but, um, tell us any hobbies that you have or like anything that you do to kill time. So, you know, recently, uh, in the past year, I've been getting into music production and like audio engineering. Um, I make beats. I go by the producer name of Camino. Um, and basically like right now what I've been trying to get better at is my piano skills which is pretty new to me at this point mm. because uh, as anybody that does that will tell you like your piano skills are what dictate a lot of what you're able to do uh, even if you're not necessarily trying to put a piano in your song uh, you need to know your keys you need to know your roots in order to make sounds that go well yeah together. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, you do anything else? Yeah, yeah, yeah. My other hobbies would include playing video games with the boys <laughs> and going to the gym. I've been going to the gym pretty often. Okay. Uh, making that uh definitely a big priority. And other than that, reading. I like reading. Um, and that those are like the three, four main things that I just spend my time on right now. That's cool, bro. All right. So, um, the reason. Uh, I just want to explain to you guys that are listening. The reason that I got um, or I invited Angel onto the show today was because um, I had we had been uh, texting each other about, you know, some hot topics, you know, that some touchy topics too, some some very sensitive subjects recently. And, you know, bef- way before like the, uh, you know, the whole election, you know, and, uh, um, you know, where they had like all these candidates that were running. Um, you know, like with the campaigning and all that stuff, and uh, you know the media, you know, showing you know two two different two different stories, and you know, like you can never really tell which you know which is the truth. You know, there's a lot of lies on the news too. Everybody knows that. Yeah. Um, and we've just been discussing, you know, what is the truth, what is a lie. We've just been seeing what are the news not covering, what are they covering mostly, stuff like that. And the reason I invited him is because he's a very educated individual and he knows his stuff. He's done his homework. And he is, well, he's just, just like I said, he's a very smart guy and he actually knows what he's talking about. So I didn't want to just bring anybody. I try. I try. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I can tell that he, he knows cause I don't, I don't invite just anybody, you know, just, you know, so, um, I know he, he does his homework, you know, you know, he knows what he's talking about and 
I I would like to get started. So I just want to start off by asking if you were able to, well, you weren't able to vote this past election. No, yeah. I'm 17, so 17. 18 in October. Okay. So what do you think about that? Um, you know, I've heard that people argue, you know, the, that the age for voting should be lower. What do you think about that? I disagree. I think that, you know, <laughs> like you can't have it both ways, man. You can't you can't argue that you need to be 21 to buy cigarettes and alcohol, but say that at 16, you're old enough to make decisions that are going to influence the entirety of the country. Uh, I think 18 is the way to go. Um I have yet to see a, a valid argument for lowering the voting age other than, well, you know, the, the younger people need a voice, too, which I understand. But I'd argue that uh, there's a reason why it's 18. And that's mm-hmm. because ideally, once you're 18, you're you're coming into the world. And I say ideally because, unfortunately, that's not the case most of the time. Yeah. But ideally is that you'll be able to make a more educated decision with your vote because voting is a really prestigious and important right um the ability to vote and have a say with what's going on in your country i would argue uh more so than ever is being threatened on a national level i mean if you look at other countries like china where there's serious voter suppression um it becomes it opens your eyes because you're like, well, you know, we really got to preserve this year. We got it good and we got to keep it that yeah. way. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so I actually talked to um, some people about that. I remember when, when we were still in school, we talked about that. We had a discussion in our government class um, just before we had to, you know, quarantine ourselves. Um, we had, a, we had a discussion and a lot of the, the same arguments, you know, were brought up, you know, Oh, well we need a voice and whatnot. Um, so for those that, you know, let's say, um, you know, OK, well, they, they should at least have like a survey to see if you qualify to vote for a younger age. What do you think about that? So like meaning this survey would consist of questions as in, you know, if this person is mature enough or not to have a voting right. What do you think about that? Well, I disagree with it. And I'll tell you why. Um, first of all, the fact of the matter is, is you're walking a a very gray area when you decide to do that because who's going to be the arbitrator of maturity you know especially at at this age i'd argue a lot of us are pretty i think i'm immature and i've been told that i'm mature for my age which i appreciate but it's like uh i'm not saying that maturity needs to be the standard for when you're able to vote because at the end of the day you could be 18 and be really immature right but if we're going to draw the line somewhere i think 18 you know you're a legal adult and that's when you can vote and if you if you try to walk that back and try to make it like well there will be some exceptions for those who are mature enough well who's going to decide maturity you know because what if Uh, your particular political beliefs are viewed by other people as immature by the people who decide whether or not you're mature enough. Yeah. Mm. So I just don't think that's right because then it turns into before you know it, that turns into, well, we need to decide if you're mature enough to vote period. You know what I mean? Mm. Like, like why, why are you taking it there? Right. Um, Personally, that's just how I see it. I know people who like people who, uh, make the argument against that will or like generally speaking on the other on the left side of the aisle I would argue I'm on the right side of the aisle 
they'll say, well, you, you're just so paranoid. Like, what, what is it with you and your distrust of the government? And it's like, man, like, if you look at history, like governments have a pretty bad track record. You know, yeah. there's a there's a pretty common joke in in my circle and amongst conservative circles in general, where it's like uh, if the government's trying to buy back weapons from you, uh, they're like, well, I'm not going to sell this weapon to you because you have a bad record. Governments have yeah. a bad record mm-hmm. of taking people's guns and then committing mass genocides or stripping people of their rights. So that that's the argument there. It's not about uh, whether or not you trust your government. It's just a matter of uh, in the event that something hits the fan, you need to have the ability to equalize the power balance. Right. OK. That was very well said, actually. But um, now um, I feel like people can tell now. You know which side? I guess we can say which side you're on now. Yeah, and what you believe in? Libertarian-ish, you know. And like, if you want to ask me questions like about being pro-life or pro-choice stuff like that, I'm down to talk about that too. And I understand that's a touchy subject, but um, I do also want to make it clear that these are my views, not Juan's. So. Yeah, thank you, bro. For thank you for saying that. Um, so the reason I say this is because. Um, it's sort of a, you know, like you said, it's a sort of like a funny combination or rare combination, you know, where a person, you said that your parents were immigrants, right? Yes, my my mom is from Zacatecas and my dad is from Colima. Oh, okay. So from both from Mexico then? Yeah, both okay, from Mexico. Okay, so, yeah, so you have Mexican immigrants uh, as parents. Mm-hmm. And so one would think that you'd prefer, you know, the other side. Yeah, generally speaking, minorities tend to be left-leaning. Exactly. And so... Um, that is why I, well, another main reason why I asked you to come on, because it's sort of a weird combination that a lot of people may have not seen yet. Um, and you know, it to some people it might seem silly, but, um, <laughs> you want to sort of like explain yourself yeah, why you course. believe in these things? I'd say the shift in my mindset probably took place at the time of the 2016 election. And like many other people who had that quote unquote red pill moment, um, it really stemmed from Trump's election because everywhere I looked, even from my parents at the time, long story short, my parents are now right leaning as well. But at the time they weren't. Um, everybody was like, oh, this man is terrible. Like Trump, Trump, terrible orange man, bad. And at first I, I fell victim to that narrative because I was like, yeah, you know, I saw these videos and I was like, oh, the Mexicans are bringing rapists and stuff. And he did say that, but it's largely all taken out of context. And once I started to do my own digging on on his actual policies, not not necessarily his character. Yeah. You know, at the end of the day, I think it would be a grave mistake to vote someone in based on the on, you know, like their personal character and who they are as opposed to what their policies are. Right. And I'd argue that that mistake has been made by a lot, unfortunately, a lot of times in human history. Um, but, uh, once again, like for me, what it was is just actually digging because I I didn't trust the narrative that I was being given in the sense that I would hear valid arguments from the other side of the aisle at the time. And I'd be like, well, that completely contradicts what I heard from so-and-so or from, that um hispanic news station and whatnot yeah so, and do you believe like the, do you believe that um part of the reason why a lot of people fall victim to this um 
What, what would you call it? Um, I think people fall victim to what they see on the news. They just accept everything as fact. And mm-hmm. the news news outlets know this, even right-leaning ones, in the sense that they know that once they put something out there, they could go a day later and on page 567 in very fine print put, uh, correction, we were actually wrong about this. And then no one's going to read that correction. You already have that initial... Uh, fact pattern or narrative instilled within you and I think that's a big issue I think that at this point uh, the the issues that people trust the media too much and I, right. I know that's really cliche from someone on my side of the aisle but uh, another point that I like to make is I listen to CNN and Fox News equally. I think it's important to hear the discourse that's being said on the other side of the aisle, even if you don't agree with it. Because how can you say you disagree with something when you don't even know exactly necessarily what it is that you disagree with? At that point, you're just disagreeing with that person or that people. So clearly you prefer to one candidate over the other. Yeah. So as far as like Trump versus Biden, um, 2016, I, I didn't like Trump. I was pretty depressed when Trump was president. And I was like in middle school and I don't know why I was depressed. I was just told that this was bad. This man was yeah. racist and he didn't need to be in office. And that was pretty terrifying as a as a middle schooler because it's like, whoa, like, you know, how serious is this as somebody who's just like uh, growing up and starting to pay attention to things other than just, you know, like basic middle school or things basic middle school drama yeah and, and once that happened i started to develop my own ideas in the sense that it's like if i'm gonna make a decision on whether or not i like a certain candidate i'm gonna make that decision based off of analyzing their choices what they say what they claim their policy is gonna be and to answer your question yes i i do like if i could have voted in this election i would have voted for donald trump um, but that's not something I say like, yeah, Trump, go Trump. Like there, there are because plenty of critiques you know, that I have about yeah, it as well. Because a lot of people say, you know, well, I, what I, from what I've heard, you know, because I've talked to like with other conservative conservatives and Trump supporters and they all say, well, you know, you have your Trump supporters, you know, diehard Trump supporters that support Trump because, you know, of his persona. Belie- yeah. And, and then you have people that, you know, are, you know, like you from a, exactly. Yeah, and why do you think that is? Why and do you think that um, the other side makes a mistake of also generalizing everybody that has the same beliefs as you know Trump supporters? You know, like the bad Trump Absolutely, supporters. Absolutely, yeah. I think political polarization is a, a plague at this point because it's uh, sort of suffocating the conversation. There's no longer a conversation to be had. Right now, it's just about you know, like if you go back. 10 years ago in American politics, it wasn't this polarizing. I'd argue that this started to take place around the time that Obama was elected. And that's a whole rabbit hole within itself. And it has to do with the way that politicians campaign. At the end of the day, politicians want your vote. They want to be in office. What are they going to do to get in office? They might try to piss you off you know, make you feel a certain way about the other side to really secure your vote. And at the end of the day, I think that the polarization in this country has contributed to the lack of conversation, which is a massive issue within itself, because you notice it now, polling data shows like uh, 
a significant amount of people are willing to just cut off friends or family based on their political views now. Yeah. And I think that's that's kind of nasty. I don't, you know, necessarily like I, I've never really like stopped talking to someone, at least, you know, like people have stopped talking to me, but I've never like shunned someone because of their beliefs. I've always seen that as an opportunity to have a conversation hear hear somebody else's perspective. And that could only widen my horizons in the sense that now I have another person's perspective to keep in mind under my belt when I make mm. decisions. And mm. as far as Trump goes, uh, one of my biggest critiques is I'm pro-life. So when Trump runs around claiming to be pro-life, but is in favor of the death penalty, that seems ridiculous to me. I'm also Catholic. So it's like, you can't have it both ways, man. Are you, are you pro-life indefinitely or, you know, like make make a decision. Mm -hmm. Uh, Another thing he is quote unquote pro second amendment. And sure he is, but it's like, what did he do to get back the guns rights that were taken from us in previous administrations? And that's an issue amongst Republicans in general that I have is that they run around claiming to be pro Second Amendment. And it's like, cool. But like they do that in the sense like I'm going to make sure that those those twisted Democrats don't take your your right to carry a weapon. And it's like, okay, cool. What about like all of the other like (laughs) Second Amendment infringements that have taken place over the past 20 30 50 years you know like they're not necessarily concerned with getting stuff back nearly as they are with just putting that out there so that they can get those votes yeah yeah no definitely um so you know like you mentioned earlier you you get you you watch the news right from uh you said fox and cnn right yeah and, and and i think like i don't trust fox the same way that I don't trust CNN because it's hilarious to me how they're selective about the way that they go about reporting on certain news. And I'd say most of my news I get either just from reading it myself and making and getting my own opinion from it. For example, the Washington Post may may publish something and I read it and I obviously identify that there's a left leaning narrative here. Like, for example, so and so did X, Y, Z, and that is bad. But I may read that and be like, eh, well, I disagree because ABC. And then I, I move forward from that with my own opinion on it. But I still, uh, at that point, I've been educated on that current event and mm-hmm. form my own opinion on it. And um, so what do you do? So, you know, like you said, with the Washington Post, you know, you inform yourself on what's happening. You form your own idea or opinion from that event. What do you do to, you know, quote unquote, find the truth? on what happened um well i'd say that obviously you know have multiple sources which is why i i i don't want to say dislike or disdain but i i think that people who are like for example democrats and they just watch cnn 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 and it's like at least you know get some diversity in there watch some other left-leaning outlets or something but in the same thing for the right, people just watch Fox News yeah. and it's like, bro, you know, like if you watch Fox, Fox News, it's like it's an echo chamber. You're creating mm-hmm. an echo chamber for yourself where you're just hearing what you want to hear. Right. Which is really easy. It's just human nature to become complacent in that sense. But so what I'm understanding is that you think that both sides have their good and bads. 
like of uh, bad things. Yeah, I think it would be foolish to say that. Like, there's there. I really enjoy the empathetic side of quote unquote democratic politics, and I hate to say that because I think that there's certainly a line to be drawn between. A, a new age liberal and what a liberal was 30 years ago like mm-hmm. a, and that's why you see the term classical liberal start yeah. to come up because yeah. the classical liberals themselves kind of like saw this and they're like hold up wait a minute you know like I, I don't actually kind of agree with this stuff mm-hmm. so now you see that and i find it hilarious when like people call themselves self-identified liberals and it's like you don't even know what a liberal is man like, <laughs> yeah yeah so um you know, going back to, you know, how you are a child of uh, of Mexican immigrants, what is it like being, you know, you know, a child of immigrants and supporting a person who seems to be, you know, against their own people or culture? Yeah, like it. it's funny to me because I have never and I, and I like that you ask this because I wanted to touch on the uh, the tribalistic aspect of politics and American politics to be specific. Um, I think that that identity politics, that's just identity politics. The idea that, um, you know, you shouldn't vote for someone because they're quote unquote like against your culture. And I understand Trump is a special case right there. And if someone is like seriously against your culture, like if we're talking Hitler, then there's an argument to be made there. Like you probably, you know, like you shouldn't be a Jewish person supporting Hitler in like the 1940s. So with that being said, it's definitely not something that's easy, but I wouldn't necessarily call it hard because I'm just being myself. I would argue that it'd be harder to mask that and try to be someone that'll make other people happy or that'll like an agreeable person that's just like, a blank slate where it's like yeah i agree with that or like somebody and this is no disrespect to people who are like this i understand that politics isn't exactly something that a lot of people find fun to talk about but like people who will be like oh i just i don't like to talk about politics i don't like i'll talk politics and it's like well you know that that's a little bit uh, i would argue we're talking about maturity i would argue that's a little bit immature in the sense that politics you know for example culture is just upstream of politics so if you're looking at it that way it's like your culture affects your politics and your politics affects the way that your country runs your state runs so on and so forth so um it's definitely an interesting experience but for me what it what it's been it, it's been fun because uh it's almost like sort of a blessing in the sense that I get to have conversations with Latinos and Hispanics and I would argue enlighten them in the sense that they'll hear something and be like, what are you serious? Like, why haven't I heard about this? You know, like, uh, this is uh, common now, but two years ago it wasn't common knowledge. You know, like people argue that Obama was that, um, that Trump was basically going to be this person who was like deporting everyone and not giving people papers and this and that. And it's like, look at how many people Trump deported his first year in office or his first term. And look how many people Obama deported in his first year or first term. Mm -hmm. And now Obama is actually being eaten up by cancel culture because he's referred to as the deporter in chief. He, I think it was uh, 300,000 people that he deported in just his first year. And it gets worse in the sense that Obama 
was sort of just deporting people who were undocumented while Trump put an emphasis on deporting criminals with records. Mm -hmm. And there's definitely a difference there, I would argue. So when you look at that from the from the point of view of a Hispanic person, your point of view changes because Mm -hmm. you're being told that you shouldn't support this person because he's quote unquote racist and he wants, he doesn't want you in his country. It's like, really? He doesn't want me in his country. I would argue Obama didn't want us in his country. Yeah. You know, I don't know. Uh, And it's, that's just one example of the type of conversations. And another thing that like, I think Latinos themselves fail to recognize. And part of it is because they just, we in general, like my parents, like they 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 just had this idea of being right leaning or being Republican is like being redneck and like, you know, like tax cuts for the rich and, you know, this and that. And it's like you can have that perspective. But once you actually look into it and, and you start to, to, to see what conservatism is, you start to realize that there's a lot of parallels between. American conservatives and Hispanic or Latino conservatives like right. we're we're religious most of the time uh, we're Christians and Catholics we believe in the two-parent family structure um, we're hard workers uh, you know the only issue here is that Latinos have essentially become single-issue voters we vote on the issue of immigration and it's understandable. I understand that that's serious. Like that's something that needs to be taken into consideration, especially if you yourself or you have family that are undocumented and you're trying to get your citizenship. Um, and believe me when I say that there's people on both sides of the aisle who are empathetic towards that struggle, but we have different ways of going about it. And, uh, I'm happy that we're talking about this because I think we could actually segue this into how the Trump administration handled that and how the Biden administration seems to be handling it right. as evident by what's happening at our border. Right. Yeah. And exactly. I wanted to get your thoughts on that right now. That's actually what I want to touch on right now. So um, if you wanted to explain, you know, for those that don't know what's going on at the border right now. Yeah. Yeah. So right now at the borders of the the U.S.-Mexico border, like uh, in Texas to be specific, there has been an influx, excuse me, arguably a surge of undocumented immigrants, specifically uh, children, specifically children coming across the border without parents. And I'm sure some people have seen the video of these coyotes, like just dropping off to like, what like five ten years old at most just dropping them over the border wall and running and the reason why is because that's how they make their money these these are like this is a side hustle for them 90 percent of the time Mm -hmm. these are the cartels so like they know these routes they know how to get these drugs in 90 Mm percent of the heroin and fentanyl that comes into this country comes from the southern border Mm -hmm. so for these people it's just like well we know the routes we could get you there and it's such a broken system and that's where i agree with democrats or left-leaning people to be specific is that we do have a broken immigration system it's so broken in fact that the cartels exploit it to make money they know that once you drop those kids over the border border patrol is going to come pick them up Mm -hmm. and 
after that, it's like, well, not my problem. Figure it out. Yeah. And then they get their money. I got my paycheck. Yeah. You know, like they just drop those kids carelessly like that. That's not exactly something that we should be incentivizing. Right. And, and so what do you, what what do they do with these kids? So the you said the Border Patrol, you know, picks the, these kids yeah. up. Do they just take them back or what do they, they do? They take them to the facilities that are currently overflown. Right. And the issue, I'd argue why this is happening is because when the Biden administration was running for office, for his third time in his life, third time's the charm, I guess. When they were when they were running for office, they they had the narrative predicated on the idea that um, you know America is a nation of immigrants. We want you to come over here and contribute to this boiling pot, which is good. But the issue is that when you do that and you you essentially mislead these people into believing that you're going to come here. We're going to give you your citizenship. We're going to get you in here in and out quick, you know, come over, let's get this done. And that's essentially the picture that that administration painted for these people who are pretty desperate. Like Mm -hmm. they're, they're, they're desperate for a better life. And what happens there is he gets, he, he gets elected into office and people are like, all right, let, let's go, you know, <laughs> yeah. let's, let's watch this happen. And it, it's sad because these parents want a better life for their children. And that's why so many of them just come across without their parents because the parents are just like, I don't even like, as long as my child gets a better life, like I don't really care about myself in that sense. And these cartels are taking advantage of that desperation. And essentially that narrative of, you know, come on over and then the promise isn't being kept. And that was one of the things that I spoke about with my family, with my parents, with other Hispanic, because I have family that's undocumented. And it's like, we were like, well, hopefully he makes good on his word. Hopefully he does give people papers. That would be, that would be nice to see. Right. But it's not happening. You know, like you see them, Kamala Harris hasn't been down to the border facilities. Biden hasn't been down to the border facilities. They they refuse to make any real statements on it other than we're in the process of getting it handled, you know, and when Biden is asked about it, he's, he's just like, well, Kamala, Kamala's taking care of that, you know, and it's like, okay, man, like, it's kind of sad because these people are here because you promised them something and you're not keeping your word so right. these these facilities are overflowing. We're talking more than 4,000 people held in facilities that weren't meant to hold more than 1,000. Yeah. And in the middle of a pandemic to, to, to make it even worse. So, um, and the cherry on top, it doesn't get much news coverage or when it does, it's not, it's, it's very tainted by this narrative. For and example, why do you think, why do you think the media does that? Why do you think they try to cover that up? I'm going to say something and, and a lot of people are just going to laugh it off. But at, at this point, the media have become Biden's lapdog. Um, and it's funny because I, I saw this coming like from when he was elected, because if you look at just pretend for a second that Trump is still in office mm-hmm. and there is this surge. Nothing has changed. Just Trump is in office. But everything that's happening right now is still happening. You can imagine those headlines. Yeah, you can see those. You can just imagine it because you you hear like, oh, the kids in cages, the kids in cages. And well, who built those cages, Joe? And there's no response to that question. 
you know? And now it's the same thing. Like we have arguably a, a, a bigger, if you recall back in 2016, 2017, there were these caravans of immigrants trying to get into the country when Trump was first elected. And <clears throat> if you look at it now, it's like th- those numbers are, are, have exponentially grown. There is more of them coming over now than ever. And the reason why is because of the narrative that was pushed by the current administration. And that's fine, but they're not keeping good on their promise. So who ends up getting hurt? The people who want a better life, the people who are trying to make that struggle and that sacrifice. And what what I find as a slap in the face to our community is that, you know, like once he got elected, he, he couldn't give two hoots about it. He was just like, mm, you know, like there's no statements being made about it right now. Jen Psaki, his press secretary, like there's memes about how she's constantly saying that she's going to circle back to questions yeah. and stuff like it, it's blatant. They're trying to avoid it. They don't want to touch on it. And that's why you saw it happen where you had senators, specifically Republicans, get sick of the fact that this wasn't getting media coverage. So they just went down to the facilities themselves. Uh, Ted Cruz, a Republican senator in Texas, went down to the facility. He started filming with his phone and they try. I'm sure people have seen the video by now or maybe you haven't, but it's like they tried to prevent him from filming under the guise of giving these people respect and dignity. And it's like, well, if you want to talk about respect and dignity, look at how you have them housed. Like, why are they here like this in these horrible, horrendous conditions? You're lucky if there's three inches of social distancing space between you and the next person, their children, there were reports of there being infants. There was play pens for infants and even the more heartbreaking stories of like, young children getting gang raped and stuff like that and and essentially having broken jaws it's it's like it's horrendous and i find it to be an absolute slap in the face when people working for the administration say that these people deserve and that they they're trying to give them dignity and respect but i see the complete opposite of that yeah yeah no definitely i agree um I didn't even know about this issue until recently I saw on on an Instagram post because I didn't even heard about it on the news, you know, like not even on TV. Um, and it was, you know, it was a uh, it was from a page, you know, a, um, you know, a page that, you know, just posts, you know, it's like for for like the Hispanic community. Mm-hmm. And yeah. they were like, oh, well, there's this issue going on and nobody's really covering it. So we decided, you know, and they weren't even trying to bash you know, on the Biden administration, they were just like, Hey, you know, we're just putting this information out there, raising awareness. And I think there's a difference by how, you know, for example, this side, you know, they're just, they're just raising awareness about Mm -hmm. an issue. But when, you know, back when Trump was in office, what do you, how do you, how did you see, you know, media reporting, you know, stuff that, you know, by, or Trump, or sorry, Mm -hmm. you know, stuff that he did, you know what I mean? Yeah. What's the difference there? It was in a negative light, you know, whenever, the classic thing you saw was um, orange man bad. Like, look at this. Look at what he's look at how he's housing these immigrants in cages. And you had Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez essentially go over to these facilities for a little photo op dressed in a little all white outfit, pretending to cry in front of the fence. And it's like, why are they doing this? They're trying to push the narrative. Look at what this terrible man is doing. I'm still waiting for AOC's follow-up photo op where she goes to the facilities that argue that it would be a great sequel 
because uh, it would definitely show the severity of the situation. Yeah. But it's really disingenuous in the sense that if you're going to report on that and you're going to you're going to say Trump is bad because because of how he handled that situation, it's like, okay. Well, keep that same energy. Why aren't you keeping that same energy that can only lead me to believe that you're disingenuous and just trying to push Mm -hmm. your narrative? And with that being said, when you see that, it it really, like I told you, we spoke about this over text. It was like, it's like we're just votes to them. Like, what, what is, like, there's no real end game to this for us. And that's why you're starting to see so many people quote-unquote defect like myself and my family from that because it's like and you see it in the in the black community too because it's like we're constant every four years we get promised a new little set of things and we fall for it and we're like all right yeah yeah that sounds good bet and then we do it and and we don't get anything in return there's no return on on the promises that were exactly made Mm -hmm. and once again that's a massive reason why the trump campaign was successful i mean the trump campaign was the largest grassroots campaign in american history meaning that it wasn't that there wasn't big companies it was actual americans putting their foot forward and saying i want this for my country and they were willing to put the pedal to the metal and work to get it and you know when you when you see that it's like sorry i lost my train of thought there no you're all good but it's like when you see that, it, it really it's like why, like if you really do want a better you want to give these people opportunity, then do it. Like, why? Yeah. Why don't you know? And it's like, why would you even give them that false hope to begin with? If you know you can't make good on that promise, it mm-hmm. just it seems really disingenuous. And it is disingenuous. And with that being said, it's just uh, horrendous to see that entire situation. And it breaks my heart because. When you see that, you have you want to be angry. Yeah. And four years ago, you took you take that anger out on Orange Man, but now it's like, ooh, you know, like we don't we don't want to we don't want to we don't want to poke the bear on on Biden on this one. Yeah. We want, we're trying to paint him in a positive light. And yeah. to give you an example, like when Obama was in office, you would see all these articles of like presidential fashion like the things that obama wears like they they really ran it home on obama like making him a household name in a in a positive way and i'd argue that it worked but it's falling apart now um yeah it did work though it did yeah, it, it, it did get him elected but like for example there were some schools i forgot where they were trying to rename these schools and they decided that the Obama name was out of the picture because Obama was the deporter in chief. So yeah. the woke culture got to him in that sense. Like now even Obama isn't safe, man. Yeah. Like that that man's getting aired out. So it's it's hilarious. I think that cancel culture and the woke culture is sort of like eating itself because it's no longer about trying to make the country better. It's about getting yeah. points. It's about yeah. it's about going on Twitter and it's about being like Oh, look at what this person said five years ago. Cancel them. Take their job. And then mm-hmm. that person, which is where I disagree, like they're forced to give an inch and to forgive. 
but I disagree with that because once you give them an inch, it's never enough. Mm-hmm. Like, I, like once you bend the knee there, uh, you're at their will. Because now, like, if you don't agree with everything that the woke mob says, well, you're up to get canceled again. Yeah. You're next in line. Yeah, you know, circling back to the, you know, the whole voting thing. So uh, I turned 18 before, you know, voting like the the election you know when we could like vote but i wasn't able to vote because of my legal status so you have to be a citizen i'm not a citizen yet so you know of course for me it was you know kind of you know it was sort of like a nail biter like i don't i don't even know like i couldn't even put in you know like i don't have a voice per se but like i mean i'm i was like i'm surely you know like my community is gonna do the right thing and vote for the right person you know hopefully um you know, some good comes out of this. And then, and then I saw, you know, Biden got elected. Okay, well, he promises this. Hopefully he follows through on this. And as we've seen, he's not. And, you know, that's sort of, you know, uh, concerning, especially for me, because, you know, it's uh, very expensive. It's a really long process to become a citizen. And, you know, him promising, you know, it's going to be shorter. It's not going to be as expensive and whatnot. Um, you know, it's sort of, you know, some, like, are you serious? Like, you promised us all of this. And, um and, you know, with like the voting, uh, going back to voting, though, um, you had mentioned earlier that there was some sort of voter fraud. Yeah. Um, and a lot of a lot of uh, mostly Democrats have been saying that it's not true. Mm-hmm. What do you say to that? Um, well, first of all, I, I disagree because I, I, I literally I, I have had conversations with people where I tell them, hey, did you vote at X location at? xyz time and they're like what I, I mailed in my ballot what are you talking about and then and then i f- i would forward that report to like the next level and then they'd launch an investigation two days later i'd get a text back like thank you we were able to add that to our our, our voter fraud incidents okay where did you do this though um, oh so you- i was a senior staff intern for the for the nevada gop Oh, okay. So what did you do there? What, what was your, so you know, like your role the there? Bulk, the bulk of what we did is we were essentially like the goons, you know, like we would be out knocking doors, handing pamphlets, talking to people. I lost like five pounds that summer. And then that <laughs> kind of motivated me to keep going to the gym after the, the campaign season ended. But like that was the bulk of what we were doing. So I had constant interaction. I spoke to people on both sides of the aisle it was a very enlightening experience and once the course of my campaigning ended there um some time went by and i was essentially asked to come back and help them figure out this voter fraud stuff oh so like were you helping out with the like the investigation that was um, going on or was that so essentially like we would just uh follow up on suspicious activity and if it was really concerning then we'd pass it on and it would be investigated on a a a larger scale okay and um in in that alone i'd say personally i probably over the span of a month a month and a half i was able to report between six to ten incidents of voter fraud personally and, the, and so it wasn't just you there was you know multiple people about how many people that I'm you knew i'm not sure how many like i wasn't disclosed any of that information how many people were working on this particular like investigation if you will but what i will say is that um it the the reason that you see like 
one side of the aisle claim that there isn't and one side that there is is mainly because when you have one side like for example you're left-leaning and you're watching left-leaning news networks tell you no voter fraud there's no evidence of widespread voter fraud that affected the election and then you get the right-leaning outlets that are reporting on maybe not like a super like massive like oh like you know like this was a a 50,000 votes or something like something really massive but it was there like it, there was voter fraud and it was disproportionately right left leaning okay like there was a joke amongst us they're like they're like hey when i die don't let me vote democrat because it's like yeah. it's like uh there was even one person who their cat was registered to vote they got a ballot for their cat mm-hmm. and i was like jesus like are you are you kidding me man like come on and there was even i believe it was district ab4 that was i don't know too many specifics but i know that they were essentially exposed for voter fraud um and there was stuff there but other than that, I don't, I can't, I don't, like, if I could get into specifics, I would, but I can't because there's a lack of knowledge in the sense that, like, it was very, um, how would I say, like, it, it was obviously under, like, we're trying to keep it low key because when you're, when you're making it, when you're doing an investigation like this, you don't want to alert people that there's like the people you're investigating. You don't want to alert them that there's investigations taking place. Mm -hmm. So it was always very like sort of covert low key. And then from there, no one person had too much information because that right. in itself was a security risk. So I could only speak what I know in that sense. You know, that's why I say like after I find a little trail, I would pass it on to a superior and it's investigated on a larger scale. Like they'll follow up with the person, like meet them in person and stuff. Um, but it was it was gross. Uh, and it's it's like the mail and ballots were the bulk of it, because I would be on 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 the field every day knocking on doors and I would literally see ballots like all over the floor, just just thrown like um, I'm sure I could probably find the pictures. We had this group chat where we would just like send them and it'd be like there was a mailbox and there was just like a, a stack, a bunch of ballots, like mail and ballots on the floor and stuff. And the, a lot of people, some of my, like, reports stemmed from the fact that people were getting, like, two ballots or they would be, like, they would request an absentee ballot and then they would still get, like, another two ballots at their house even though they're on vacation in another state, voting from another state. Um, it, the issue with the voter fraud that was being promulgated was essentially that there was not enough security and the reason why is because there was a lot of efforts being taken to make voting in the middle of the pandemic more accessible which is understandable but there was a bill passed in nevada that literally made it so that a signature that was like a little sus somewhat invalid like it would normally be normally this signature would be considered invalid but because of some of the bills that were passed those signatures were allowed to slide and Mm. it's like well now you're not even talking about making voting easier in the middle of the pandemic that's just lowering the standard of security for Mm -hmm. like actually voting and so do you think so what i'm understanding from this is that you're saying that they they were taking advantage you know of you know what was going the pandemic Mm -hmm. and trying to make it you know oh well we're doing this because of the pandemic 
I can't I can't say necessarily they because it's like uh, for example like when I when I think of left-leaning people and it's like personally like when I think of the current administration I genuinely think what they're doing is like for example like refusing to really speak on the border crisis tiptoeing around it like not not making not giving it the the respect and the severity that it that the situation is it's like that's disingenuous and i genuinely believe that there's there's ulterior motives behind that but the average person like somebody who voted for them i'm not necessarily saying that they're an evil person who is in support of of these like disingenuous practices but you sort of fell victim to a degree because understandably so when you're in that position of for example you're undocumented you want a better life it's only common that you know like you're gonna vote for someone who tells you that they can give you that like i could take you there but it's like will they really like are i'm still (laughs) waiting on it man like i hope it happens sometime soon right so what um you know uh what kind of advice or what you know just sort of like final statements what do you want to give to you know people that you think or according to you would you know or as leftist you know what do you want to tell them i would just tell you to don't trust anything that you hear no matter like especially if it's from a mainstream media outlet dig dig for yourself and make your decision and that's why i i hate that tribalistic aspect of things like democrat versus republican because i'm technically a republican because i i check most of those boxes but i disagree on a variety of things especially with trump like i said on the issue of being pro-life on the issue of the second amendment and and you know with that being said it's like that's one of the things I liked about Biden is that he was trying to give our community a, a, a shot. And it's like, I love An that. Easier path. Do it, do mm-hmm. it, like do it, right. like, like keep your promise. And that's why the Trump campaign was so successful because I went to rallies and it would literally be like promises made promises kept. I'm not gonna like when he was running, he didn't claim like he didn't paint this fairy tale picture for Americans in that sense. It was like, I'm going to do this. And I'm not going to sit here and promise you like massive, unrealistic economic growth just freshly coming out of the little uh, great recession we had. It's like he made promises and he kept those promises. And arguably, you know, I have my own issues with that. Like I said, I don't think he did nearly enough for the Second Amendment. But uh, that was the reason why that campaign was as successful as it was. Like I said, largest grassroots campaign in American history. And it was because he kept the promises that he made. Mm, okay. That, yeah, that was very well said. And uh, another question. Um, have, have you ever had the, you know, uh, privilege of meeting Trump? No, I've been in the same room as him, though. <laughs> like <laughs> a couple hundred feet away. But like, uh, yeah, like I went to a rally he had here and it was probably like one of the most exhausting days of my life. It really? was super hot. It was, you know, middle of last year's summer, like 110, 115. So you so you've gone to see him like in person. Yeah. And have you have have you gone like to see like, you know, how sort of like he interacts with people and like how he you Yes. Know. Yes. I've seen the the energy that he brings into the room is 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 massive. It's because he does a really good job of establishing a personal connection and that that's what that what was the end that Trump had coming into the Republican Party is that the Republicans were sick 
of essentially having somebody that walked and talked like a Democrat, but that claimed to have these Republican policies. Because the reason Trump was elected by Republicans is because they were also sick of that. Like, for example, Trump always talked about draining the swamp and people assumed that meant like, you know, like getting rid of the Democrats that were in office. But that that meant that. And it also meant getting rid of the re- the spineless Republicans who claim to be a Republican, but don't actually govern like a mm-hmm. Republican. Well, what that, did you what did you get from, you know, him and his interactions that he would have with, you know, people like in person? Like, what did you get you, from that? He made he would make you feel like it, he wasn't a, a politician. He was like somebody who actually had your best interest at heart and that's why I. Would and this is unbiased this is not you know just oh, because of yeah no like like personally that that's why i think he's he's that character you know like yeah and that's a, a double-edged sword and ultimately i think that's what lost him the election it, it was like he just couldn't keep his freaking mouth shut like if all he did was shut up and <laughs> and let joe biden dismantle himself on stage like oh like stuttering and stuff like all he had to do was keep his mouth shut man because the the those four years were great for the economy they he didn't you know like he wasn't the deporter in chief he didn't have that um that stigma following him around Mm -hmm. so it was like all he had to do was keep his mouth shut and act a little presidential but you know as you know it's a double-edged sword because one of the reasons why he was so successful is because people appreciated the fact that he wasn't like a regular politician he spoke what he thought there wasn't a whole room of lobbyists behind him telling him what policies he should be pushing and what he should say what he shouldn't touch on what he should he was like in his rallies it almost felt really casual it was like because there's a lot of ufc support behind trump and especially in vegas there's a big ufc population so there would be like ufc fighters at the rallies and before he would even start talking about like politics he'd be like oh look at so-and-so great fighter like i saw that fight last night it Mm -hmm. was great i can't wait to see the next one so it's like it was about building a personal relationship in a sense yeah. and it's a double-edged sword because then the biden campaign ran on the premise of a return to normalcy like the adults are back in the room like the politicians are back yeah. and it's like yeah they talk like politicians and they they act like it obviously like that's apparent by the white house press briefings but right uh it's like <laughs> it's like bruh like it was it was ultimately what i think didn't, didn't get him elected is uh he just yeah. kept running his mouth mm-hmm. Yeah, so um, uh, a couple of last things. Uh, so for, you know, those that um, might have, you know, you know, because, uh, you know, as a, for example, you know, there's people that are Democrats, right? And mm-hmm. some of them are, you know, hard-headed, as there are Republicans that are hard-headed of as course. well. Yes, um, I've met plenty of them. Yeah, so um, for those, you know, that might, you know, be thinking, oh, well, you know, this might have opened my eyes a little bit. But I don't I don't know exactly, you know, where I can I get my information from where um, can I inform myself? You know, what's uh, what like where exactly do you go to yeah, dig I'll tell deeper? You straight up like what, what I watch. I watch a lot of podcasts because I like the like as much as I like like reading a news story. I think that that like when I watch a podcast, I like, for example, uh, this is cliche for someone on my side of the aisle. But like I watch Ben Shapiro um Jordan Peterson is another one that's not necessarily political. Jordan Peterson yeah. is somebody who has really strong Western cultural beliefs. 
and those beliefs happen to check a lot of right-leaning boxes so often he's he's thrown in with like the alt-right and the white supremacist but i think that like for example if you're somebody uh, a great example would be like that clip where trump is like oh they're bringing the rapists and stuff like if you watch one minute before and one minute after he says that like you understand the situation a bit better than as if it was just meant to provoke you because right. when you see that in the news it, it's meant to provoke you it's right. meant to like provoke an action what action would it be it would be vote for the other side yeah. because this person obviously is like against you and once again that's the reason why i think he he didn't get reelected is because he like there was a better way of saying yeah. that man yeah. like come on dude yeah because but, de definitely i i agree completely because you know with the 2016 election i remember and you know i i had no idea you know like what you just brought onto the table i had no like i was clueless and i remember you know when they announced you know oh well trump won whatever um you know i was just like you know i was pissed i was like no like that that wasn't supposed to happen you know and uh uh i know a lot of the you know like the hispanic community was uh disappointed and i remember like seeing a lot of people you know clowning especially you know hispanic trump supporters and you know anybody that has those beliefs not necessarily a trump supporter but anybody that believes you know or has republican values um so yeah like uh, you mentioned it was after the 2016 election is when you, yeah, you know, started realizing. Around the time, like, I vividly remember being in my living room, like, watching the, the numbers and stuff. Yeah. And then when Trump was like, it all like, oh, no. I was, my little middle schooler self was like, oh, dang it. Like, well, what's going to happen now? And that's what yeah. kind of got me, like, because I was like, dang, like, I was actually worried. Like, yeah. I was like, oh, this I racist, think we all were. This racist got into office. Like, what? what's next? We got to get this man out. So instantly it was like a call to action. Even in my, in my younger age, I was like, I need to know more about this. Like, obviously he said, like, and so wait, so you were saying that you, you accidentally realized, you yeah, know, like, yeah, yeah. Oh, like so it was like by accident. It wasn't like nobody like, ever came up to me and they were like, let me tell you why you're wrong about it. It was just like me looking into it and being like holy crap i was lied to right because and i think if if there's any evidence of that look at like just look at the facts of the trump administration like look at the economic growth that happened during the trump administration and look at what's happening right now people are gonna say oh well it's a pandemic but it's like there was i'm not sure like like personally like i uh, my dad works in like construction and stuff yeah and he has his own company so when he does like remodeling and he does invoices he he's literally saw like a spike in the like uh i spoke to some people that not my dad because he doesn't really work with like lumber prices but somebody was like yeah man like just yesterday i was talking to my friend and i was like hey so i know that like your dad's in the construction business did you guys see like any rises in the price he's like dude the lumber skyrocketed and then yeah. my dad was like i was talking to my electrician the other day and a box of bulbs that was like 80 bucks is now 120 and obviously i'm sure that has to do with like importing and and where we get those bulbs from probably from china but the point is is like there's only so much leeway that you could get you could give this administration for the pandemic right yeah and yeah. i like as much as i 
I'm not a fan of the administration. I, I sincerely wish them the best because if they succeed, then America succeeds. And like the uh, like if they're successful, we're all successful. Yeah. So obviously I, I'm, I'm saddened by what's happening right now because it's not good for anyone. Yeah. Yeah. And I would like to mention that what I'm getting from you is that it's not sort of like, a, you know, like you mentioned, a Republican versus Democrat. It's not or Republicans versus Democrats. It's not, you know, a battle between the two parties or, you know, the two people that have different beliefs. It's not a battle between them. Rather, you know, trying to get along and trying to, you know, do what's better for the country as a whole. Yeah, that's what I'm getting from you. I think exactly. And I think that the big like I hate coming back to this, but like the big issue is the media because it's like where does the Hispanic community, where do we get our news from? We get it from like Telemundo and stuff the like Spanish that. The Spanish news networks. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, if you watch those, they paint, they, they like put these seeds in your mind. Sorry. They put these Very seeds good. in your mind of like, uh, like, oh, look at this like terrible part. Like, look at what he said today. But it's like, okay, yeah, like that was a little out of line. But when is he actually like put into effect, like actual like racist policy? You know what I mean? And it's like, I understand, like, I'm not going to sit here and and uh, make a case for Trump's stupid statements, but I am going to sit here and argue for his policy because it was great and it was prosperous. And people say, oh, well, that was Obama, you know, like the the Obama administration did the heavy lifting. And it's like, you can't have it both ways because you can say that. But then that means that Biden's first four years are courtesy of Trump. And they're not going to say that. They're not they're not going to give Trump that credit. So it's like you can't have it both ways, man. Like either he did or he didn't do something good. So exactly. Yeah. So would you like to add anything else um, before we start wrapping things up? I would just like to encourage people to have conversations. Don't like if you're going to get anything from this, talk to like maybe you have a friend that you kind of alienated or stopped talking to because of the social pressure that you were afraid of from being affiliated with somebody like that, whether you're on mm-hmm. the left or the right. Like, uh, like if you're, if you're on the right, like, like I see it all the time where it's like kind of toxic and we're like, Oh, like, Oh, look at those libtards. And it's like, that's funny and all, but it can get to the point where it's a corrosive culture where it was just like us versus them. Yeah. And I, I don't think that's healthy for anyone because like I said, then there's not a discussion to be had. And I think that the discussions are being stopped. Like, we're not having discussions like this one anymore. And that's the issue. Now it's just like, oh, you're a Democrat. I don't like, I don't want to talk to you. We're not friends. Or like, I don't even want to have that conversation because I don't want to hear your perspective because I know that I'm right, like definitively right. And I'd argue that that within itself is pretty immature. And the sad thing is that it's so ingrained into American politics at this point Mm -hmm. that you, you don't just see it in kids our age, you see it in grown adults. And that's why I say like, I talk to my fair share of stubborn Trump supporters when I work for the campaign and stuff. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Oh, also before I forget, um, I want to let you guys in on something. So, uh, Angel came in with uh, a present for me and it's actually really dope. It's a, it's a book. It's called the subtle art of not giving a what? Uh, a f- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so it, it's it looks like a really interesting book. Um, I'm gonna go ahead and you know give it a 
like, we're gonna take a look, bro, because I'm I'm actually really excited to take a look about uh, at that yeah. book. What is it about? Though? So just to tell the audience, like the book, what I was able to take away from it, and at the end of the day, everyone's mileage varies. But what I was able to take away from it was it really helped me get out of my own way, whether it's like in the world of, of making music or in the world of like bettering yourself as a person there's a lot of subconscious things that you do and tell to yourself that you don't realize you're doing it and it stifens your growth mentally physically spiritually and it it starts to affect your interpersonal relationships and I think that this book sort of helped me take a step back and get out of my own way in a lot of ways and I think that uh, at this point in time I would argue, you know, everyone being locked in their house and stuff for the most part, it's helped me maintain my sanity. Yeah, bro. Well, yeah, again, I really appreciate the book. I'm, I'm excited to take a look at that. Yeah, I hope you like it. Yeah, I think I will, because um, when you first said the name, I was like, oh, is yeah. that really the title? And then, yeah, it sounds yeah. cynical, you know, like it, yeah. makes you th- it makes you think that when you read that, you're just going to turn into this D-bag who like, you know, like you're just like, you don't care about anything. Like, dude, I don't care. Like, but it is kind of like that, but it tells you what not to care about. Exactly. Like, you know, like yeah. there's certain stuff you just don't like. Eh. Yeah, and I'm it's looking forward to it. It's not going to take you down a good path. And that there's a lot of good anecdotes from the author and stuff. So I think that a lot of people would enjoy it. It's not a super long book, 200 pages. And um, I finished it in the course of about a month because I was reading it really slowly. But um, I'm sure if somebody wanted to, they could like read it in a day or two. All right. Yeah. Well, I'll take a look at it um, when I can. I'll let you know what I think about it. Um, Hopefully I can take away some of the good stuff, too, just like you did. Yeah. All right, bro. Well, yeah, um, we're going to go ahead and wrap things up um, because it's been over an hour. I just checked right now and it didn't even feel like it, huh? Yeah, no, it didn't. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, that's quick. how it is. when See, you... that's the beauty of these conversations is that it can feel like you're it can feel like something you just don't want to have to deal with or that you don't want to have. But when we have these conversations, we, we learn a lot about people's perspective. Yeah. In and general. I think I think that um, being open minded, you know, it's very important because, you know, um, you know, when I try having, you know, conversation with somebody that, you know, has different beliefs with me and not just politics it's with anything, um, you know, it can be sort of difficult, especially when they're hard headed and they they don't want to, you know, not even listen to my opinion. And like, especially with like, you know, in school when you would do like Socratic seminars and mm-hmm. stuff and people just like they do like the selective listening stuff and they're like, oh, well, what about this? And they just ignore <laughs> your point. Yeah. And that happens a lot, especially in politics, but it it can happen with anything. Yeah, it's a it's an issue. But like I said, right now we're at a point where there's not enough conversation. There's not enough dialogue. And I think that it's in everyone's best interest that we change that quickly because we're going down a, a dark path. We're kind of eating ourselves from the inside out. Yeah. All right. Well, I want to thank you for uh, coming again. Thank you for having Uh, me on. Yeah, thank you. We uh, really appreciate you know uh, your input and you know this was really juicy, bro. This is gonna be really good. Um, <laughs> yeah. I'm very excited for everybody to listen to this um, because you you brought in some very good insight um, and you were you weren't biased at all. I don't think because you know even though you have you know probably like the unpopular beliefs or you know the mm-hmm. um, the bad side as other people would call it, I guess you know. And coming from a person that, you know, is a minority, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's sort of like a weird combination. And it was really interesting to see, you know, your your yeah. your beliefs and your your point of view, you know. Mm-hmm. 
So again, I appreciate you coming on. And uh, hopefully we can get you on another time too. Yes, I love to come on and talk about like music or something because yeah, we can. Like this conversation was fun. This conversation was fun, but um, like there's so much other stuff. Like I feel like that was one of the things that I not necessarily wanted to avoid, but I always wanted to make sure that like we kept the conversation balanced because I feel yeah. like sometimes especially with like political stuff or like people choose to have a political podcast it's like when you come out of that you just you just, it kind of leaves a sour taste in your mouth because then your image of that person or that conversation is strictly political when it could yeah have been, yeah no well, we can definitely do that um yeah. and uh, i'm not saying that happened here but no 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 of course not, i did it um but yeah we can uh we'll get you on and uh we can actually talk about music production and stuff because that's what i do too and i just found out you did that too when uh when you you know you posted on instagram you yeah. put a beat it sounded good too <laughs> the, you, the mastering you. was really good too oh, i play suck you at that. right now man i think my mastering is getting better like just yesterday i was like you know as a final thing, one of the things I learned from this book was that there's like no rush. You know, your only competition is yourself because yeah. com all competition is unfair. Like there's no such thing as a fair like comparison. So you just have to compete with yourself every day to make sure that like the next day you're better than where you were before. Yeah. And sometimes that could be hard because when you're comparing yourself, for example, like in the world of music, I would fall into that trap where like I would compare myself to like Metro Boomin or something. And yeah. Then I to and somebody that's, you know, has way more experience yeah. and has been in and the industry and you for listen far to longer. It and it's like, it, it's really disheartening and like disencouraging because you listen to it and then you'll go listen to something from them. And it's like, wow, like I'm not touching that. But <laughs> I found, I found out that having that mindset sort yeah. of, put me in like a rush where I'd be like, I gotta, I gotta learn how to make heat and I gotta learn how to make it fast. Yeah. But that, that was like within itself preventing me from growing and learning new things. Mm -hmm. And when I step back, you know, like I'd be like, Oh, I gotta finish this song within one day. But now I take my time. Like it might take me a week to like one day I'll make it and I'll need like a mental break. And the next day I'll start the mixing process, but I'll yeah. wait a bit, you know? And it's just like, there's there's no rush yeah okay yeah well we can definitely talk about that because <laughs> yeah. i had the same issue too like um you know i start you know with something i just make like a random melody and i'm like okay let's do this real quick like just as fast as i can like let's 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 put out some heat real quick and mm -hmm. it just does it doesn't come out as good and you know like i have a vision too you usually have like you know an objective like I want it to sound sort of like this and like give off these sort of vibes right you hear it in your head yeah and yeah you, and you just you can't reach that because you know like you said you're comparing yourself with others and uh that's a common mistake and i see that a lot too yeah yeah with everything not just music like yeah when you're in school like oh why can't i get this person's act score yeah. or like why like this person is doing sports and they got like three ap classes and they're just cranking it you know and yeah. it's like oh, i wish i could do that but it's like you can there's nothing saying you can't you just gotta find your own way everyone's different mm -hmm. yeah okay well uh yeah we can definitely talk about that bro because i i i i don't even know why i didn't think of that that's actually a really <laughs> cool topic yeah we should we yeah. definitely have to talk about that um but yeah for now i think we're gonna wrap it up because it's been like yeah. i said over an hour i didn't even so feel that <laughs> yeah um but yeah guys uh yeah guys thank you for um for listening uh angel thank you for coming on and talking with me talking about these touchy subjects and you know some mm -hmm. listeners might be offended or and whatnot but they're just proving your point right if they're yeah. offended because 
Um, that's they just sh- the hard headedness. They shouldn't be touchy subjects because when you're afraid to talk about something, it just doesn't get talked about. Exactly. And when something doesn't get talked about, then you hit the polarization. Yeah. So just uh, so if you're listening to this, don't take it as you know, and don't don't be offended. Don't just take it you know as you know just information you know, you're promise, being informed i promise i'm not hitler <laughs> yeah no and he's not he's a really nice guy um you know he's a minority himself you're you're hispanic you have uh parents that are immigrants and you know he's, he's not a racist dude or nothing like that yeah because you know of course you have trump supporters that are like that you know they're yeah. bad people but as well as democrats they're bad people too there's in in that group of people there's this a uh, funny quote that we could end it off with and i i disagree with it i disagree with the last half of the quote and it was um not every trump supporter is a white supremacist or racist but every racist and white supremacist is a trump supporter (laughs) (laughs) and and like i disagreed with that because literally like one time i was tabling at like a gas station and this white dude comes up and i have like a trump hat like we're handing out uh black voices for trump hats on the on the table and we have like we're trying to register people to vote and he comes up he looks at the hat he grabs it like he's interested you know and then he's like he like spits on it throws it on the ground he's like f trump and then he's like f the n-word with the hard r and everything and it was like wow didn't know it did that didn't know there were something like these really yeah that actually happened it was a white dude yeah we were my supervisor had the beautiful idea of tabling in like the hood and i was down because like i kind of grew up in not the greatest area so like i'm not necessarily uncomfortable there and we were just chilling and it was crazy like that's a story within itself because there was like this lady that came out she had like blm paintings all over her car and she was like making a scene she even went inside of the store where we were and she was like you gotta get these racists out of here and the owner was the one who who like wanted us there because he he was a it was a it was um uh it was a it was this arab dude and he was he was a trump supporter and he was like i just love you know like what trump has done for small minority businesses and i i could relate to that because ever since the trump administration came in my dad my dad's business started doing very well too and so it's like we're just there trying to register people to vote and some people just weren't having it yeah yeah no i can imagine that's i've never heard any of anything like that that's insane well yeah but again thank you for coming uh thank you guys for listening uh do you want to give your social media or anything like uh, your producer uh, thing yeah i'm sure we could also do it next time but uh my producer instagram is at prod by camino k-a-m-i-n-o okay uh well yeah so you go ahead and follow um angel his uh his music instagram and uh if you haven't followed us uh the podcast it's the vibetastic pod um and go check out that link in bio we have uh new stuff up on the website um and it's like a blog kind of thing on there too i don't even know i'm not (laughs) running it but um y'all go check that out um and yeah thank you for guys thank you guys for listening to this i keep like like my my tongue is like twisted up bro but yeah thank you for coming bro thank you guys for listening and uh we'll catch you guys next week peace
star on the planet. On the planet. On the planet. On the planet. On the on the on the planet. On the planet.